and welcome to episode 102 of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, brought to you, of course, by the Smooth Jazz Radio Hour Christmas Edition. If I'm completely honest, I don't really like Christmas music, but um, it is Christmas, so I figure it's appropriate, and my kids uh, are enjoying it, although my son is currently into this Christmas trap music that all the kids apparently like, or maybe it's just him, I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, welcome to the show. I hope that you are having a good Christmas. If you're listening after Christmas, I hope that you enjoyed some time with your family. Maybe that is continuing on to Boxing Day or in the coming days after that. Um, however you're doing this, I hope that it's been an enjoyable time. I know that it is a difficult time for a lot of people, and my family is no different. Um, we have uh, anniversaries of, of some events in our family that are not maybe uh, the happiest at this time, but we take this time now to, to be together, and I hope that you're around and surrounded by people that you uh, both enjoy and love and i hope that the team uh has brought you some joy as well and we're in a much different place than we were last season at this time small of a role as football actually plays in life um, it can do a lot to lift your spirits uh when other things are seeming down and it can also bring you down a little bit but this year uh you know we are on the good side of that under new manager ralph hassan hoodland here to uh, talk to me about all of that is Tom Mason, who writes for Reed Southampton and a number of other outlets. Uh, we'll talk about the local teams that he covers, his role at university, uh, writing for Reed Southampton, and just kind of being a fan uh, and, and the Huddersfield game, of course, as well. Tom on social media. You can do that on Twitter at Tom underscore Mason 18. He's also on Instagram at T Meso 19. The links to those, of course, are in the show notes, but let's get straight to the interview. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Talk to you later. So we'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Tom Mason. Tom is a journalist, a student. Uh, he writes for Reed Southampton. You can find him on Twitter at Tom underscore Mason 18. And uh, yeah, here to join me on uh, the day before Christmas Eve. You'll hear this Christmas Day. But um, Tom, uh, welcome to the show and thanks for doing this. Hello, that's all right. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Oh, no, my, my pleasure, man. Um, first off, before we get started, I just want to say like, I'm sorry you were ill. Otherwise, you would have been able to... Uh, to see and witness the uh, Southampton's domination, I would call it, of, of Huddersfield. Or maybe that's too strong, but uh, I hope you're feeling better. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting with you about the match and uh, about everything else. Yeah, I'm a bit better now, thanks. But it's just a bit frustrating to... Saints don't win away very often, so it's a bit frustrating to miss out on that. But as long as teams win, I'm happy. <laughs> the team doesn't win, period, very often. So <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so to miss an away game. But uh, it's okay. I mean... I am uh, hopefully yesterday made you feel a little bit better or maybe not because you didn't get to, to necessarily see it. But um, let, we're going to dive straight into this because we're on it's early. Uh, I got but we all have stuff to do because it is a busy time of the season. So I uh, yeah. appreciate you taking some time. But um, let's just start with with you kind of growing up. And and did you grow up in the Southampton area or how did you become a fan of the team uh, to begin with? Yeah. So my family's my dad and granddad have always supported Saints. So. 
I sort of came to the rap. I live within sort of half an hour of the ground in the New Forest. Um, so yeah, I've always... Recently, I've been going to a lot more away games as well, but that wasn't ever really a thing. It was more just home games. I've been a season ticket holder since I was seven, so that's 14 years now. So, so yeah, that's how it all started, really. 14 years of season tickets. I mean, you've been there through all the good stuff and all of the stuff that wasn't uh, you know, maybe so good uh, in, in recent seasons. So um, your dad and, and everybody else still attend matches and still do all that stuff? Yeah, they all go... They all go to matches, mainly like home games though. I go to a lot of away games. I go to not quite all of them, but majority of them, maybe maybe like three quarters of them. All right. So yeah, but they they, they, they they go to most of them at home. Where has your season ticket been? Has it been in the same section kind of the whole time or have you have you moved around the ground at all? Yeah, well, I started off in the Itchen stand, which is like near where the player sort of dugout is. Um, then I moved towards the family stand, sort of, I think the year we've got from Rhodes back to the Premier League in 2012 and then this season actually we've moved again towards um back in the uh, itchin near the sort of away fans and w- which which area of the, of the park do you prefer i prefer i prefer where we are now because you get more of an atmosphere you feel more involved it's not nice being in the family stand but you can't really build an atmosphere or you can't really feel like you're in in the game sort of you get what i'm saying it's it just feels, feels more part of it if you're where i am now i mean and have you seen anything about this uh, this proposal to move the away fans and kind of reconfigure things? Uh, have you seen that going around yeah. Twitter through the the Saints voice panel? Yeah, I think that's something which should happen, really. The away fans have got a massive advantage. I remember a few years ago, I think it was Arsenal came down for a cup game. They brought like five, 6,000 down there, the whole of the northern end. And they just created such a big atmosphere, which is something which really frustrated me because it's something that Saints fans could have had. But Saints just seem to let it go and seem to let, let them have the best area. In my opinion, that is the best area of the ground. I'm just creating that. So to move them to, say, another part of the ground further away, like whenever you go to have a ground, say, like Newcastle or Sunderland, you're up in the gods. So, like, why don't we do that? We're not going to that sort of stadium, but why don't we do that? Something similar, put them away in an area which isn't that good. That's what I think. I totally understand. I remember when uh, you know, everybody went away to, to, to Newcastle and People said basically you couldn't see the pitch. Like you, they're, they're, you're so far away, you're so high up that it doesn't, yeah. you know, and you're kind of out of sight, out of mind, I think. It doesn't matter how loud you are, you're going to be difficult to be heard at that point. So, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe it, maybe, maybe for away fans, it should be, uh, you know, it, maybe it's a nice day out coming down to Southampton, but maybe we, we make it a little harder on them to, to kind of influence the game. Yeah, definitely. Like I don't, I've seen different suggestions of where it could be in the ground, but I just think given them, given them that part of the ground in the Northern Stand where they are currently, this gives them a big advantage. Obviously, San Reyes, this has been a bit of a not great atmosphere in the last few years, but last weekend to the Arsenal game, you could barely hear the Arsenal fans for most of the game, like, just because of how much of an impact Ralph's had on the team, and that hasn't been the case for a while. But having Saints fans in that whole section in games to come, or years to come, would have a massive impact on the team, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so as you were kind of growing up, what, I mean, obviously you were going to, to matches and stuff with your with your dad and your and your grandfather, yeah. but like, did did sports play a big role in, in your life growing up? Did you play sports or did you guys watch other things? Did you go cricket or rugby or anything like that? Yeah, I've never really been into that rugby that much, but cricket's been a massive part of my life. I've played it, I think, since I was like eight or nine, playing for a local club in Hampshire. And I, now play, I still play from now on Saturday afternoons and Sundays and Tuesdays. And um, yeah, I played, I played football as well. I played in the the local Samson Tyro League, which people listen to this will probably know about. Played for a team called Windsor. And yeah, I just played football and cricket mainly. Obviously watched it on TV and stuff. And yeah, just always been a massive sports fan. 
I have no idea how cricket works and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, every once in a while I have, uh, Richard Brereton will send me a, uh, a cutout of the newspaper or some, something, you know, yeah, yeah. and I, and I will basically read it. I can read it a thousand times. I have no, no idea what's happening. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's, it's fine. And now I, I, I remember at one point taking a girlfriend that I had to a baseball game and she had never seen baseball before. And I've like played baseball right. my entire life. And I just remember like trying to talk to her and explain it, explain to her like what's going on. And I, and now I know how she felt because Brett Brereton was trying to explain to me how cricket works. And I was just like, look, man, like this is, <laughs> this just isn't going to work, it's difficult, yeah. uh, but it's all right. Um, what made you want to go from, from playing and, and it sounds like you still do to wanting to, to cover the sport and, and the journalism aspect. When did that happen? I think about, about four or five years ago, I started college in Tottenham, Southampton, um, the media, a media BTEC, and um, I just sort of like enjoy writing and I enjoy sports. So the two sort of came in hand in hand, covering sports within writing and stuff. So, and I've always liked going out to games, even from a, even if I'm not going as a fan, I'd like to go into neutral and just tweeting out and social media and stuff. It's just come from that really. And then when the chance came to apply for uni, who I'm doing in Gloucestershire now, uh, doing sports journalism chance came to to do that so that's been massive for me and i'm really glad it. yeah yeah there is a uh another um saints fan at least one who attends the same uni as you and he takes photos for another a different team that i think than you cover yeah. um but but yeah. harry holder uh is is there and um i'm when he saw you were gonna be on the team he looked at your profile and was like hey like that guy goes to the same uni as me and i have no idea how big the university is so it could be like you know <laughs> It, 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 I, I'm guessing it's not Ohio State or Michigan, so it's probably not that big. But um, no, it's not. I think there's 35 on my course, but there's obviously two other years as well. So I mean, as you were kind of growing up and, and been watching Saints for all those years, uh, kind of switching back to to the fan aspect. I mean, when I mean, do you have any m- memorable moments or, or players that you specifically kind of remember that stick out to you that uh, you know that you've seen? Yeah, I think the big one for me is Ricky Lambert. He came. He joined from Bristol Rovers, I think, when we were in League One, and he was a talisman, which ultimately I think got us back to the Premier League. Because without him, I think we'd still be struggling in the lower leagues. And the game that stood out, I think, probably it's a tough one, but it was the opening day of the season when we got promoted. I think it was against Leeds. Um, you may remember it. I think we won three 0 the day. It was a late kickoff. Lamb- Lambert was a big part of that, and um, it's a big game on the day. And uh, yeah, that's the one that stands out. But more recently, I think the one for me which sticks out is the 3 2 against Liverpool. We, I think we were 2 0 down at half time. Then Sadio Mane, Victor Pandyama came on at time. Mane then missed a penalty. And then we had, I think Graziano Pella got one, Mane got two right at the end. And I've never seen St. Murray's like that for age, like, ever. Like the, the, the scenes in the, obviously against Liverpool as well, they've taken quite a few other players by that point. So. That was quite a big one for me. I remember I was in a hotel at that moment and I had to make a, like a six hour drive home and I had gotten up to watch, uh-huh. to watch the match. And I remember going like at halftime, like, do I just, do I just go home? Like, do I just start driving <laughs> now? And, um, yeah. I remember sticking around and then we missed the penalty. <laughs> we missed the penalty. I was like, oh, I should just really go like, and, and then, uh, I decided, you know, I stuck around and I, I had some, some colleagues that were in the room next door and they basically yeah. started beating on the door between the rooms and being like, what's going on in there? As I started to get, as I went from super <laughs> angry to like, 
more and more ecstatic to, you know, basically just short of trashing the room as a full grown sober adult. Um, because we were, we were winning and yeah. it was, uh, it was pretty fantastic. So I think as well, um, they had a goal disallowed just for half time and it wasn't given until I think it was Dusan Tadic went out to linesman. If that had gone, it been given, then I think we wouldn't have come back as we did. So that was quite a massive part of that game as well. I think if you remember that, I don't remember that part. Um, if, no. I'm, if I'm completely honest. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 I do remember different aspects of that game and the, and the replays have been showing up recently too, um, uh, which is, yeah. which is good. And to, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I really do still enjoy watching, um, Mane play. I, I, I don't know. I, Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 I'm not super happy about Liverpool being top of the table right now, but, um, my, <laughs> my favorite player is James Milner. And so he's on the team. So he's been playing recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to hate on them, other than just that because I have to almost. But I, I can, I can force myself to do it. It's okay. Yeah, he, he can play anyway, can't he? He's sober, so so he's he's very good. All right. Well, let's let's get into yesterday's match, I guess. And uh, it's, yeah. I mean, obviously that first match against Cardiff under Hassan Hoodle, we would have hoped that we would have won. Um, it didn't work out. Mm. And I remember looking back at the December schedule and just thinking, like, we were not going to pick up any points unless we we got something against Cardiff and Huddersfield. We were going to be done. And somehow we've managed yeah. to, um, you know, not pick up anything against Cardiff, but the last two performances have been, I, I think really, really impressive, but um, the lineup has been the exact same against Arsenal at home and against um, Huddersfield away. And I was a little bit worried. Uh, I didn't think we were going to go with a back three or a back five um, yesterday, but we wound up doing that. And uh, yeah. What did you make uh, of the lineup that Hassan Hoodle set out yesterday? Yeah, I thought, I was surprised, I've got, I've got to admit. I thought maybe I heard that Cedric and Lamina were back in training uh, last week. So I thought that both of them would start. So to see Lamina on the bench came as quite a surprise, given how good he's been this season. But you may have did make a slight mistake last week, which led to a goal. But I think not changing a winning team, it makes sense. And I think us playing with like a back three or back five suits us better, because our full-backs aren't necessarily the greatest defending, in particularly... Valerie and Target. So to play a back three or back five, it really helps us. And players like Nathan Redmond and Stuart Armstrong can sort of play where they want to a degree. And I think that really helped us yesterday. And I've got to be honest, Huddersfield did a pretty, uh, pretty team right now. Yeah, they had a pretty bad day at the at the office, I guess you could say. But I, one thing I noticed is is Valerie and Target. Neither one of them did very well against Cardiff in a back four. They looked, they got exposed quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure that. I think everybody would kind of agree with this at this point that we have, we have a bunch of center backs, but none of them are really standout performers. None of them really seem to have a, a, a really solid partnership with one another. So to give them kind of the extra protection yeah. uh, uh, of having the third center back and, and being able to kind of uh, make up for maybe the lack of pace that we have back there and also cover the fullbacks a little bit. I think that that actually helps us um, a, a little bit more. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting definitely. to see if we do the same thing once Bertrand and Cedric come back. And, um, you know, I, I will be honest that I, I think Valerie still has the potential to be a fantastic player. And I think he's got some real good qualities. I think he played that ball down the the channel kind of for Redmond yesterday for Obafemi's goal. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he's been subbed off now twice uh, in, in three matches. And yeah. that's something that, that worries me a little bit. I think yesterday's was... I think he picked up a yellow card quite early on. Um, that's part of the reason to yesterday's, but Jack Stevens came on. He's 
relative experience now, and I think having when Bertrand and Cedric do return to the team, I think I can't I can't see us not cha- I can't see us changing back to a back four because both of them are good are good probably better defenders, but they're both good going forward. So I think I think that we've got to keep the team. Obviously in January, I'm pretty sure we lose Yoshida to the Asia Cup. I think that would just mean that Jack Stevens will slot in um, to that position. But yeah, things are looking very positive now. Yeah. I- I wonder who will go into the middle of that of that back three because I think Yoshida's been playing there for the most part. I wonder yeah. if Benrak slides over. Or Steve, uh, I'm not sure who who fits in there a little uh, better, I guess, or best. Um, or maybe Vestergaard slides in the middle and Hoot comes back, but he wasn't even yeah. on the bench yesterday, so who knows? Hoyt, I I don't think we've seen Hoyt for a while. To be honest, he's he's been pretty poor for a while. Even at Fulham, he was he was so he was just so poor, and I don't I don't think we've seen him for a while. Yeah, I mean, he was the one who kept getting time under Mark Hughes. That he was really the only player yeah. who you could guarantee. I guess him and Redmond were the only players you can guarantee would be in the lineup. Um, and now it seems to have completely switched. And you know, Hassan Hudel has basically said, "Like, no, you're not, you're not doing it." So yeah. <laughs> uh, we will, we will see. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, Hoiberg is out for the next match. Um, yeah, he is. Yeah. So I think. It's pretty easy swap. I mean, you see Lamina coming in. Romeo is going to play. Romeo though is also one card away from from uh, yeah from from and and we're going to have to rotate at some point through this through this uh, couple of matches because um, at least we play West Ham first, I think, because that's a that's yeah. a game that we can probably hopefully get something from. And, and Man City slipping up a little bit, but to to expect to pick up points against them, I don't know. So um, yeah. You know, we'll we'll have to see kind of how the rotation works because the guys are doing a lot of running and they're expending a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more sprints. I mean, we, it's all the stuff that we we've we've seen and said about about Hassan Hoodle's kind of game, but the, they look really good doing it though. Yeah, I'd expect there to be quite a few changes in the next few weeks. Well, the next few games. Sorry, obviously we haven't got any haven't got Hoiberg for the West Ham game, but obviously, like I said, Lamine also got straight back in. If Murray does pick up his yellow card. Mississippi City game and Hoiberg was got put back in, so it's so it's good. It was a good job they both didn't get put yesterday. Otherwise, we'd have a bit of a problem because I don't know what we'd do there. Because the likes of Ward Prowse and Davis weren't even on the bench yesterday, so you don't know what their futures are like. But yeah, there'll be a lot of rotation. I think a few players will definitely play most games or every game in this period. I think McCarthy. I can't see Gunn getting in. I think I think um, Redmond and Danny Ings will be the other two players, which will won't miss many minutes at all across this period. But the others are all sort of suspect to rotation. I just expect. I think the rotation, like you said, is is necessary just because of the uh, the effort they're going to be putting in and how fast the games are coming. So, kind of yeah. nothing nothing surprising there. Um, but one thing I, I wanted to ask you about before we kind of get into the rest of the game is, is what did you make of of having another um, another youth player on the bench? And then and then of course we'll talk about Obafemi coming in instead of uh, instead of Austin uh, off the bench. But but Kane Ramsey yesterday was on the bench as a as an yeah. under 18s player even so not even the under 23 yeah. squad. Uh came as quite a big surprise to me. Oh, I knew he was but um he's only recently started playing with under 23s and that's happened since Valerie's been playing beyond throughout the first team. Okay. So to see him come in ahead of certain players for me suggests that he's he's massively dependent on youth this manager he not, he's going to give him a go. He's been at their matches and stuff and if they're good enough they're going to play. And like, like you said, I'm playing ahead of Austin. That just shows to me that I think Austin's a good option off the bench, but he's not gonna he's not gonna get that many minutes. And even like yesterday, I think it was Gavardini wasn't even on the bench, so I wouldn't be massively surprised if he was to leave the club in January, maybe go back to Italy or something. I think one thing that 
having the youth player in the, in the team does is it shows the youth players like, hey, you have a chance to come and play if you perform well. But but also it shows the yeah, senior definitely. squad, the senior squad, like, hey, we will we will give these guys a shot if you're not getting it done. And there is not necessarily pressure, but there is a little bit of competition there, not just from the guys you're looking at each and every day that are in the first team squad, but that there are other people here who can come and play football just like you can. And they're going to give you a, a kind of a run for, for your spot. And I think that just, I, I think if it's done in the right way and it's, it's, it's brought forth in the right way that it, uh, it will actually encourage and, and help the, the first team players kind of uh, continue to push themselves and progress and, and work to get a little bit better and not make everybody, I guess, just so comfortable. Yeah. It's refreshing to see. Um, it's not been something which has happened under many of the previous managers who seem to sort of almost not really care about the youth team. He went, I think he went to a few games, but he didn't, like Benrack didn't get many chances under Hughes. You wouldn't have seen the likes of Johnson. Of a family, he did play, but lots of Johnson and Valerie, I don't think they would have had that many opportunities under Hughes. So it's refreshing to see Central give the youth players a chance. And it gives the senior players like something to work on because many of them know they're gonna play, they were going to play most games. But now, now under the they know that there's pressure and they might. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's, let's, let's jump into the, uh, into, into the match. Obviously the game ends with us picking up three points and having what I would say is a fairly dominant display, but um, yeah. early on the game looked to be pretty physical. Um, there were a couple of fouls that went in and, and were given for and against us. Um, but I don't know. I mean, were there many moments in the first half that that stuck out to you in terms of of how the game started to play out? Uh, were you were you worried at all by Huddersfield or what they brought? And and I would say the one thing for me was the fact that they have a lot of pace, but almost no quality mm-hmm. in the in the final third. So it seemed like they kept getting in behind Vestergaard a little bit, um, giving us some trouble there. But they they couldn't turn that into a goal. It didn't seem like. Yeah, they they started relatively well in the first sort of ten minutes, but. Um... I wasn't really ever particularly worried by Huddersfield. I don't think out of the two strikers, Depotter and Mune, not, neither of them have scored this season. So I wasn't particularly worried. And also their main player in attacking sense, uh, Aaron Moy, is that injured, which was massive for us, I think. I think we just we just knew we were going to win. I think I think we were dominant throughout. And even when they did get back into the game, I, I, think I was relatively confident that we were going to get some out of the game. So yeah, it was a big, big uh, boost for us that we could get back to back the wins, I think. Yeah, I mean, there there was a lot of, of back and forth, a lot of running, not a ton of mm. um, sustained possession, I would say, um, by either side. It wasn't anybody passing around the opposition box trying to find an opening. It was basically back and forth and back and forth, which made it uh, for, for an exciting game to watch and uh, something that I, uh, sitting here at home, um, really kind of enjoyed. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think them missing Aaron Moy, I think that's a huge, huge problem for them and also the fact that their strikers haven't scored this year that's also an issue but um the fact that they don't have Aaron Moy in the middle of the park the fact that they uh are going to are really missing that playmaker is going to yeah probably be kind of what un, undoes them uh for, for for the season so we'll have to see kind of how that how that goes so I watched them um, on TV a few weeks ago against I think it was Wolves and Aaron Moy got both goals and you could see how like important he was to them um his influence is massively missed and for them, the sooner they get him back, the better, because they're going to struggle without him. Yeah. Um, there was one moment, um, I don't think we had scored yet, but Ings kind of picked the ball up on, 
it would be the far side of the of the field from from where the TV cameras were, uh, just kind of right on the edge of the yeah. area. And he he played target through, and target managed to hit that cross that came off of the keeper, and we couldn't quite turn it in for anything. But that was, I think, yeah, I want to say maybe the first real chance that we had to, uh, you know, to, to 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 get a shot on goal. And one of the things that that you have to notice there. Uh, that's a big difference from before under Hughes and under Pellegrino and either under, under Puel is the the players that we had in the box. Valerie was in the box. He was he was actually hurt on the play because he was uh, the the closest player to the ball. But Redmond was in the box. Um, Ings had gotten into the box. Everybody was up and pressing and looking for an opportunity, and that's a huge difference uh, from I would say from from previous management. Yeah, that was a massive difference. Like getting getting the fullbacks that far forward just. Uh, that, that early on in the game just wouldn't have happened under Hughes and like you, like you said Valerie being so close to maybe niching in and getting a goal that just wouldn't have happened and um, I think it's really positive and we scored six goals in two games and I, I can only see that continuing this weekend this week sorry against West Ham God I hope so because uh, last time <laughs> I saw West Ham play against us it wasn't wasn't pretty and I did not I en- oh, was it the 3-0 three, three away yeah yeah I went to that as well yeah, yeah that's well that's to this point that's the only game I've ever been to and uh, all right yeah <laughs> not good no, it wasn't great. Um, and and I landed, you know, less than 24 hours before that happened, like jet lagged and everything else. And then just oh, to wow. see that happen. Um, no. And, and Arnaltovich scored, I think, two of the three. And yeah. all of them were, still, think, yeah, yeah. were right in front of us. It wasn't that great. Um, anyway, moving on from that, because we don't need to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think uh, through the first 10 minutes, there was a lot of energy. Um, and, and once again, I think that the pace of Huddersfield could have been um, an, an issue there. But it turned out that we kind of dealt with it with pretty well and, or their lack of quality kind of really uh, was, was shown. And they, they, it was proven that they didn't quite have what it took and we could get back and, and kind of recover from that. Um, but I thought that one yeah. of the, the big things for us was the fact that when they made a mistake we were able to capitalize on it. And that's such a turn from, from kind of what seems to be happening or seemed to be happening to us earlier on in the season where it seemed like every time we made a mistake, the other team capitalized on it. And now it seemed like, you know, they may, they would make a mistake. They would lose the ball in midfield or they would, you know, not cover a run properly. And we just made them pay for it, which was really, really nice to see us being that kind of ruthless and, and clinical. Yeah, definitely. Like we haven't been that clinical for quite a while. And, um, I think lots of stats been going around about us being like the like the third most created chances in the league behind City and Liverpool, which just shows that we are we are playing well at times, just not creating them. And like you say, at, at the start of the season, it just felt like any simple little mistake which players made, it was going going to be a goal. And we just weren't getting that quite that little bit of luck. But since Sassanitro's come in, I've really noticed a change of the luck coming in. And yeah, it's just been really good. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the season now, which is something I couldn't have said a few weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, we, we do go ahead, uh, 16th, 17th minute, uh, some combination of, of Ings, Hoiberg, uh, and Redmond kind of make this goal happen. Um, Ings does well to bring the ball down, and I don't know if he's trying to play it um, to himself uh, through the, the legs of the opponent yeah. or if, he's, if he actually is making a pass to Hoiberg. But Hoiberg then, um, it, it's funny because I've heard this goal described two separate ways on on different highlights. One um, the announcer was saying that the ball to Redmond wasn't ideal. It wasn't. It wasn't a very good ball, and yeah. he had to adjust his run. I've heard one guy say that that Hoiberg's pass was inch perfect. Um, so it, it doesn't matter. We wound up scoring. I thought. I thought Redmond made an intelligent run, and yeah, 
that look, that finish that he had looked a lot like uh, some of the training ground finishes we have where you can kind of hear it hit the back of the net. You can hear, um, you can hear the kind of metal kind of, of the, of the net kind of uh, make whatever noise that is. And it's just a kind of a, I don't know. It's a reassuring sound. And you, you, you knew uh, as soon as it left his foot that there was no way that was being stopped. And you could, you could tell, he could tell, and just the excitement on, on his face. And uh, I don't know, I, as, a, as somebody who's supported Redmond through a, like the last year and a half or whatever, um, I felt, yeah. I felt really good to watch him do that. And I, I, I don't think I could have wished a goal for anybody else in the team more so th- than him. Yeah. I was delighted for him. Uh, obviously he hadn't scored prior to yesterday in the league or in, at all. Sorry. But his, since Sasson has come in, he's been a change player, two assists and a goal in the, in two games under him and yeah I was delighted for him and you could tell he was almost like a monk off the bat for him having not scored I think it was his first goal in like 59 games or something like that so yeah it was massive for him to get that and hopefully he can come now and get some more goals and help us power up the league a bit yeah I think the last time he scored and I could be wrong yeah. but the last time I remember him scoring um is was Everton away last last season where we wound up losing I don't remember if we lost or if we, I think we lost or we drew in the last kind of kick. Yeah, it was game. one draw, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, that, that stupid clearance from Bertrand. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I remember throwing stuff that, that match. It wasn't great. Um, yeah, that's very striking. One of the things that came out about, about Redmond um, scoring was that he had only scored in eight yeah. matches for Saints overall, but we had never lost one of those. We had won five and drawn three. So that, I, I guess that oh, wow. goes back to the, uh, the uh the Everton game I guess we we, we drew there and we didn't lose so my memory is not great but, um but I mean Redmond <laughs> he just looked so good and he still looks hungry and I think the system that we're playing now suits him so much better than what we were doing before um and he just he just looks like he is a real threat um to to other teams and I think this is this can only improve and and he will only kind of get, get more and more confident as time goes on. And you just hope that, that Hassan Hoodle can continue to push him and help him progress, like you said. So uh, we're doing that. I mean, there were a couple of, of times during the first half that I think we got we were a bit lucky. Uh, we definitely weren't. We didn't play a perfect game yesterday. Um, there were a couple of poor headed clearances. I think Hoiberg had one at one point. I think Vestergaard had mm-hmm. one at one point that kind of led to chances. But uh, Huddersfield's just lack of kind of composure in, in those key situations and uh it, it, we kind of bailed us out a little bit yeah that was the that's the right word composure like most other teams in the league if you give those chances and they, they put it away and you're chasing the game again but Huddersfield just haven't got that haven't quite got that political edge and if, if they did it would have been a much different story yesterday I think I saw some people say that the uh that we didn't deserve the lead yesterday and I don't know what game they were watching, but I, I didn't think that uh, <laughs> there was any doubt that we were the better team. Um, I, I found it a bit interesting that uh, for the second game in a row, we had had less of the ball than the other team. We had we had kind of uh, given up possession, but I think we were, over the, the past few games, we can see that we are so much better with the possession that we have. We are so much more purposeful with, with what we are doing with the ball that I think that accounts for a lot more than just having possession. And I'm sure we will have games where we just dominate the ball because we are that much better than the other team. But right now I don't, I don't feel like that's the goal. I feel like the goal is to, 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 to press and to force them into, to, to mistakes and to capitalize on those mistakes. And I thought that that is suiting us much better than trying to pass it around the box and, and find an opening. Um, Cause maybe that's not what we uh, are, are good at at this point. 
yeah, I think possession-wise, like a lot of the games early on in the season against the likes of Burnley, Brighton, uh, Newcastle, we were having maybe like a 60, 70, 70, 70 or 70% possession and not really doing much with it, creating very few chances. But with the new way we're playing, we're not going to have as much as the ball as the other team, but we are going to create a huge amount of chances and, like you say, force people into mistakes. So the new way we're playing is just so much better. There's a clear game game plan from start to finish and everyone knows their role and everyone knows what the manager wants out of them. Uh, I I guess moving on to the second goal, the Inks penalty. Um, Not really any question in my mind what was happening. Uh, They made a mistake and he's clearly tripped. I, I do love that the Huddersfield player points at the ball that's rolling away. Um, that uh, <laughs> as if as if he got a piece of it. Uh, he was about three yards yeah. from it, I think. So um, I don't know. I, you got to do whatever you can in that situation. I don't really blame him. Um, but I mean, what did you make of the way Ings? I mean, obviously he's on penalties. He earns the penalty. He's going to take it. Um, was there any yeah. doubt in your mind that he was going to he was going to put it away? Oh yeah, I, I was read, 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 very confident that he put it away. Um, he, I think he scored before that he'd scored two out of two so I, I was had every belief that he put it away he scored two last week he's full of confidence he's back in the team back in the goals and um, it's only a positive for us moving forward it was uh, such a calm kind of I don't know I can't do that on FIFA let alone in, in real life <laughs> when, when it actually matters so uh, I don't know um, so obviously we go into halftime uh, we talked about the possession kind of being in Huddersfield's favor but it, it doesn't matter yeah. Um, in that time, they had had you know almost twenty percent more possession than us. We had had more attempts. Mm. We had had more attempts on target. Um, so, like we said, we were being much better with the ball than they were, um, and that was good. The, I, I want to say the second half kind of the the beginning kind of lacked the intensity. I, I think that the first half had, um, and I think yeah. that's 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 kind of to be expected. I think that just is what happens in some of these games. Um, and, and the first real thing that I remember was that kind of reaction save from McCarthy, where I think this is where we had the, the kind of missed header from Hoiberg. It kind of went up in the air oh, twice, yeah. um, and then comes off a Huddersfield player and he, and McCarthy does just enough to kind of push it out, uh, to his right and around the post. Um, and at this point I tweeted, you know, Alex McCarthy, thank you. Um, you know, Saints fans everywhere. <laughs> and then almost immediately, yeah. uh, Huddersfield score. And somebody just yeah, so, un- yeah. underneath that says, you know, Alex McCarthy, do better. Saints fans everywhere. And I was just like, yep, you know, that age, that tweet did not age well, and that's okay. Um, but I, I thought McCarthy did well there. But I, I don't know what happens on the, on the Huddersfield goal other than the fact that that's maybe the one time we didn't close the ball down quick enough. You know, I think yeah. everybody backed off for a second. And by the time we went to kind of close it down, all we did was unsight McCarthy and, uh, and, and the ball goes in. Yeah, I think... He made throughout the game. He made quite a few key saves, which um, kept us in it at times. But I think the goal. I've seen people give him a bit of criticism, but I think he was a little bit unsighted and didn't expect the goal, the ball to move. It moved a little bit and didn't expect him to go the way it did. So you've got to criticise him a little bit, but it's be harsh to blame him for that because I don't think he could really see what what was in front of him, like in terms of the players in his way sort of thing. So I think it would be harsh to blame him for that goal. But yeah, he did well overall. I want to say that. There are a few people who want to see Angus Gunn be given a shot. Um, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not sure I'm there yet. Like I, I think Angus Gunn is great, and I. I don't think you bring him into the team or into the squad with the idea that he's only going to play cup games for the next four years. You know, I think he's going to get much more time than. But he clearly is the second choice keeper at this point, and I think he. I think that's where he needs to stay. I mean, 
McCarthy has just, you know, been called up to the England squad now. Uh, the, the past couple of uh, of camps or, or breaks, whatever you want to say. And, you know, Gunn is also getting called up, but it's 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 not to the senior squad. So I think there is a, there's some time for, for Gunn to grow, and I think he will continue to push McCarthy. And if McCarthy has a bad run of form, I'd have no problem with Gunn coming in. But right now I'm, I'm not sure that even a lot of the goals that we've been conceding were necessarily McCarthy's fault. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that it's right, it's right decision to play McCarthy and go at the moment. Gunn's obviously a clear, really good talent. He was at Norwich last season. I watched a fair bit of him on TV and stuff, and he looked really positive. But I just think McCarthy has not done anything wrong as of yet, massively, which can mean you take him out of the team. And also, since he's come into the team, we've we've been a lot better. Um, obviously, we had Forster in goal before that. It's about a year ago, I think. It was a Man United game in December last year. December, something like that. But yeah, Gunn's got... I think we offered him a four-year contract, but he's got to wait his time. And the time, if we get an injury to McCarthy... Or whatever, he'll have his chance. And I think he's just got to be patient with this chance and it will, will come eventually. Yeah, yeah. I'm having uh, flashbacks to last year against uh, Unboxing Day against Tottenham. Just not anything oh, I God, want to yeah. think about again. I was at that game. I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, West Ham doesn't go that way, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. And I think maybe the next thing that, that stands out is, is Ings comes off. And I know one of the group chats I'm in, everybody was like, why is Ings coming off? But yeah, he's obviously being required to do a lot, a lot of running, a lot of pressing. I, I always, I'm, I'm going to worry about his injury record. I'm going to worry about his body breaking down. Um, he had gotten a goal. He had led the line. Well, him coming off at 60 minutes, granted at this point, it's two one, but okay. And I think the interesting thing is I was fully expecting Austin to, to be his replacement or maybe long, but, it's Obafemi that comes on, and and to you, does, what does that what does that say to you? How do you feel about about that as a uh, in, in that situation? Yeah, I think Obafemi suits the um, the style of the new manager better than maybe not long, but better than Austin definitely. And uh, Ings Ings coming off wasn't a massive surprise, given his injury record, like you say, and uh, he's only been out. He was out for a month roughly. We got a manager's game time and have him available to play every game, so. I think it's good management for Massachusetts. I think one of the reasons may be that, you know, I think Long has possibly hit his ceiling. He's shown everything that he can do. And Austin, we know the type of player he is. Um, mm. But Obafemi, I think, has a lot of room for improvement. Obviously, uh, we, yeah. talked about, we talked about composure earlier on the Huddersfield side. Um, there was that moment where he was through and he probably should have put it away. Um, yeah, he should have. But... And he's done that now a couple of times. And so it's a little bit worrying because in a situation, in some situations, you know, how many chances are you going to get and, and how big are some of those misses going to be? But, uh, you know, yesterday uh, he was able to, to kind of atone for it because before I, mean, I was even done writing the tweet about him going wide, um, Redmond was played in by Valerie. Uh, Redmond does well to, to press the ball. And that's another instance where we see what the pressure um, can do. And a lot of times I think, the the idea would have been that the ball goes through, the defender gets in front of him, and everybody kind of stops running, and the ball goes out of play. It's a goal kick for for Huddersfield, and that's it. But the the pressure from Redmond forced, um, I think it was Schindler to 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 make a mistake. Yeah. And I mean, Schindler honestly should have been able to hold Redmond off and just see the ball out of bounds. Yeah. It, like that's basic defending. But I think that the pressure from Redmond forced him to take a touch, and once he takes a touch, he's got to get he's got to clear it. Um, he tries to do that. Redmond nicks it away from him. And then 
Obafemi does well to kind of just find himself in space, kind of drop back instead of going directly across goal where, where there were bodies and um, then, uh, you know, does enough to, to kind of put it in the far corner. And I mean, the joy on his face was, was fantastic. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's really nice to see the players enjoy the football, you know, the players enjoy the way yeah. they are playing and, and, and to enjoy their own kind of little moments of success, success because it hasn't been that way uh, in the last, I would say, several seasons. Yeah, much like Redmond, I was pleased for Femi to, to like get off the mark. Obviously, his first first uh, Premier League goal for us. The youngest player to actually do that for us. The youngest player to score in the Premier League. But yeah, the players just look a lot more, whenever they score, they, they go mad rather than they celebrate. They look so happy. It just wasn't something that was happening when we were under Hughes. They were like, oh yeah, it's another goal. It wasn't. It wasn't much of a celebration. Whereas now they they look they all look quite like close knit as well. Like Redmond, Ob family both seem to. I think Redmond's been mentoring Ob family quite a bit as well lately. Uh-huh. So obviously both both of them both of them. Uh, Redmond making this goal was obviously massive, and yeah, things look a lot more better with those two in the team playing together. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, this is the first time we've had back to back wins in over a year and a half. Yeah. Um, Hassan Hudel in three games has won two of them. Uh, Mark Hughes, I think in 22, won three. So, I mean, we're, I mean, I, I'm not here to bash people. I'm sure people are doing the best they can, but the, the, the difference is so clear. And I'll be honest that at some point I was starting to worry, you know, we, we saw the way we played under Powell. We saw the way we played under Pellegrino. We saw the way we played under Hughes. And it's like, these, these are three managers in a row that have looked at our squad and set them up in a certain way. And I was starting to kind of fall into the camp of maybe maybe the players just aren't good enough. Maybe this is the best we can do. And I I have no idea why or what Hassan Hoodle saw in the squad that that he said, no, we can do it this way and we're going to do it this way and, and this is what you have to do. So I have no idea how he made them believe they can do it after the last three kind of seemed to fail. But um whatever it is, man, I I'm I'm I'll take I'll take it, you know, because this has just been yeah such a breath of fresh air to to the players and to to the fans. Um, I mean, the atmosphere at St. Mary's, you mentioned it earlier uh, last week, was so good against Arsenal that it, it kind of overshadowed uh, and, and kind of uh, what what the Arsenal fans were able to do. And then yesterday as well, you could hear yeah. the away fans, which is pretty standard for oh, us, yeah. but you could hear the away fans um, all day. And then and then it, I don't know if you saw on Twitter or, or Instagram or whatever. After the game, um, Hassan Hudo comes over to the away fans and they are singing to him. And and he, I mean, that's just, that's what I want to see. And that didn't happen for Mark Hughes. That didn't happen for Bellagrino. That didn't happen for Puel. Um, And and I don't know. It's just a huge, huge kind of lift, I think, to everyone involved. Yeah, I was at Cardiff as well. Obviously, lost that game, but he came out afterwards, or afterwards, after the game, he came out to fans and was like, give us, give us appreciation. And that just didn't happen under Hughes. And, um, yeah, he's got more out of them in, in like two weeks than any of the previous three managers got out in, in their spells at the club. So it's just massive and um, his reputation's growing. And if we're not, uh, the problem I've, I've got is if um, we do continue to do well, we could end up actually losing him, but hopefully we don't. You know, I don't know. It's one of those things I think we're always going to deal with. It's, uh, yeah. You know, people talk about, about players like, you know, Bale's gone, Lalana's gone, Van Dyke's gone, Mane's gone. I don't know. You could be Huddersfield instead, right? Yeah, like your best player could be Aaron Moy, and then a bunch of people that nobody's ever heard of, and mm. and you could suffer through and only have you know three goals at home over the past however long or whatever. 
And it's just nice to, like, I will take those players for a year or two at a time. I'll take those managers for a year or two at a time. Um, and I will, I, I'm just going to try to enjoy it. And I'm sure when he leaves, I will be pissed and this will completely change. And you can throw this back in my face at that point. But like right now, I'm just, I just want to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think when we were told, I think the club was told uh, by several people, you know, you don't even try to sign him as a manager because you won't get him because he's too good for you. Um, and I think the yeah. fact that we went out and made it happen, maybe he is. And maybe it'll, it'll prove to be that way over, over time. But I'm, I'm okay with it for now. Yeah, it should be fine for a while, to be honest. Like, a lot of the major clubs in England have got, other than United perhaps, have got long-term managers. So I think we'll be, we'll be fine for a while. And it would take something quite special for, for us to lose him, I would say, at this current point. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like you said, if, if, if there were places that were missing big-time managers or hadn't made new managerial mm. signs, I would worry. Um, God, I hope... I, maybe, maybe United will just stick with the guy they, they brought in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's... Yeah, that's a weird club. I think as long as you have Sir Alex Ferguson still kind of ruling from behind the curtain, I think it's going to be different, difficult for them or for any manager to kind of do what they want. But they looked pretty damn good yesterday too, uh, from what oh, I saw yeah, in the very highlights. Good. Yeah, good result for us as well. Yeah, very good result for us. All right, let's let's jump into some questions because I know we're running a little bit short on time. Um, yeah. So patrons get priority for having their questions answered. So if anybody out there is interested in doing that, uh, you can do that by signing up at patreon.com uh, slash SFC delivery, but, um, we will answer questions from Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, we didn't get a lot, which is normally not the case after a big win, but, um, who knows? It's all kind of weird and I don't know what to say. Um, so we have some from, from Patreon. So we'll go ahead and do that. Rob Clements, uh, he says, who do you think is our best player in terms of their contribution to the game? Uh, referring to yesterday, not necessarily goals or assists, but the overall presence in the team and they're important. So maybe he's not just talking about yesterday, just overall, but like looking around at the team, who yeah. do you think maybe is, uh, is one of those key players for us in, in this new system? For me, it's um, Pierre Mahoyberg. He's been impressive all season and um, he's continued that since the new manager's come in. Unfortunately, he got his fifth yellow card. So I mean, he missed the West Ham game, but I think he's, he's played under like Guardiola at Bayern Munich and he's played a relatively similar sort of way. So I think he's going to be massive under Hassan Hussle and, um, we got as long as we can keep him fit and keep him happy, then he's only massive. Like it's always pass today for the for the first goal for Edmund, who will also be a key player. I think overall Hoiberg will be the most important player in terms of this team and their importance going forward. I mean, you look at how young he is. You look at how much kind of, a, of the leadership quality he possesses already. Uh, it's it really is impressive uh, on his part. And I don't know. One of those things you worry about is. In the system we have, we only really have two midfielders playing. Um, it requires a lot of him in terms of organization and in terms of effort and energy, and he seems to be able to do it all. So uh, I would have to agree with you that I think he is one of the most yeah. important players uh, for us. Um, but moving on to a question from... Take the captaincy as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but by the way, uh, next week, do you think it goes to Ings? Do you think it goes to to Yoshida? Uh, depending on the system we play, who do you think captains the team next week with him? Yeah. I think it could be Yoshida as long as he plays, but if, if Bertrand is back, it'll be Bertrand, but I'm fairly confident it'll be Yoshida because he's done it before in the past and he's a, quite a big leader in the team and I give it to Yoshida, yeah. I mean, because I mean, you don't see, you don't see or foresee Hassan Hoodle bringing Davis back in, right? To have him play alongside yeah. Romeo, that's not going to happen. Cause that, no, I'll be Lamina Romeo. Yeah, okay. I, I'm with you. Um, 
All right. Kevin McKee, another Patreon, uh, says, do you think Gabby Adini will have much of a future at Saints? Um, no, I don't think so. You saw yesterday he wasn't even on the bench. He's been struggling for minutes since he just got, well, even when he was there, he struggled for minutes. I think if you've got the likes of Old Femi and Austin ahead of him on the bench, I can't see him lasting much beyond January. And I'd be shocked if he was still at the club in January because I just, he offers a lot, but none of the managers that we've ever had seem to have gone all out, gotten all out of him. And even the new manager, his, his sort of style of play doesn't really suit that compared to the other strikers we've got. So I don't think he has much of a future at the club, unfortunately, as much as I do like him as a player. Now, did you see him in the away end yesterday at the, at the ground? Did you see this picture? Was he in the away end, was he? I don't think so, but it's a guy that looks a lot like him. Um, and so I screenshot it. I just, oh, put, okay. I just put it in the outline. I don't know if you're still on it, but um, yeah. check down underneath the questions. Oh, oh yeah. That's what that looks like him, yeah. It was, I was just on the, I was on the Saints website just watching the highlights before I went to bed last night. And <laughs> like, I just, for a brief second, it flashed on him. I was like, I have to, I have to, I have to take a shot at this. Um, and then uh-huh. I, I tweeted it and I felt really bad because somebody was like, yeah, more players should do that. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't actually know if it's him. Like, does this be, yeah, I don't so think I it's saw, him. Um, I saw on Friday night, uh, Liverpool's Trent Alexander-Arnold was in the um, away end of Wolves and I, I, it's good to see, but I don't think many of our players seem to do it, but it'd be, be good to see if the future, if they're injured and get in the away end, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think, uh, I think it was Tyler Dune who hosts a Man United podcast and he's another guy from America that runs a big kind of radio production. Um, he, yeah. he, he had some ideas about players who did it. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's him, but I think it's pretty, it's pretty good. I think if, if he's got a future at the club, it's probably in the away end with the fans. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe you can get that season ticket sorted out as some sort of, uh, when he signs his, <laughs> his, uh, <laughs> we're always thankful though, for that goal at Swansea, won't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was the most Gabby Dini of goals, you know, like I'm going to fall down and look atrocious while we're doing it, but it's going to go in. And it means a lot. Um, just it was, it was a hugely significant goal. His performance, his performance at Wembley as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He was. I mean, if I mean, obviously, he just started off on such a high. There was no way that was ever going to continue. But I remember just. I mean, really enjoying that. And then I remember watching the game at. at uh, so I, I watched the EFL Cup final at a specific bar in LA because I was on my way to work. I was on my way back yeah. from a uh, from a work trip. Actually, the same one. So there's a destination in, in Southern California that I have to go to every single year. Uh, we tend to always play on that Sunday, which is fine, uh, which means it's the day I have to drive back. But the one time yeah. I was talking about the Liverpool game earlier, I happened to be at the same bar that I was watching the EFL oh, right. Cup final at uh, oh, when nice. we played Tottenham when he got hurt. Um, and that was kind of the last we ever saw of him being really, really good. And it's unfortunate. So um, I don't know. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah. Anyway. It, it all means nothing, but it's just the way I remember things, I guess. Um, so AJ Reardon is also uh, a patron. Everybody asks on Twitter, he says, uh, how much of these results can be attributed to the new manager bounce and how much to actual lasting fundamental change? I'm ecstatic at the results, but I'm worried about the other shoe dropping. So uh, kind of a big question to end on, but um, what, do you, what do you make of that? I think it is a bit of a manager bounce, obviously. Obviously, he's had a bit of an, quite a massive impact since he's come in, but... I think it will be a, a lasting thing and something which will continue. Obviously, we're not going to win every game, but I can see us picking up the needed points to, to stay well clear of relegation. And um, I, I, won't, I won't be worried about us. We're going to lose. We're going to lose games. Everyone does. But um, I think we'll be fine. And his management skills and the players are buying into that now, and it's going to be massive for us. And I can see us being easily safe come the end of the season. Now, 
I guess the one question I have about that is when we eventually do lose games, because like you said, it will happen and it's totally expected and normal and everything else. But when we maybe yeah. hit a bad run of form and the, there's so much being asked of the players in terms of their effort levels and their energy levels, when we lose games, does that, do you think, I mean, it's all speculation, but do you think Hassan Hoodle can continue to motivate the players and, and, and get them to put it forth that level of effort if we hit a bad stretch. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I definitely can. Because he came into the club when we were in a, we won one game, I think it was 15 games. I think he can have a, he, if say we lose two, three, four in a row, I think, hopefully that doesn't happen, but I think he can have a, he can change it around. He's got the managerial qualities and he's got a desire and passion to get the players back playing and getting results again. So I think we haven't got we haven't got anything to worry about with him not being able to get the players back if we do go on a bad run of results. All right. All right. All right. Well, um, I think that mostly does it, except for I would like to ask yeah. you just kind of one off-topic question before we go. Um, I mean, I, I explained to you my family has this weird kind of midnight thing that we've done my entire life, and it's it's as a kid, it's one of the things that I enjoyed the most about Christmas. As an adult, it's one of the things that stresses me out the most because my kids yeah. are like, are, my kids are a-holes basically if they if they don't get sleep and so am I. Um, but, but do you guys have any weird kind of family traditions that you do around the holidays? Um, quite often, it's not weird, but we quite often just go to either side of the family. So normally one side on Boxing Day and one side maybe in New Year. But this year, I think we're going to Boxing Day, we're going to Boxing Day to my, to my family, um, which wouldn't have probably happened to say to blame. Um, but they aren't so yeah that's what happens but other than that it's it's pretty standard really just at, just at home at christmas usually um yeah nothing nothing out there really okay all right um and and if you had to think about the saints squad if you were going to have to buy a present for for one of the players if you had to buy one player uh, new boots and specifically shooting boots uh who 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 on the team would you would you give that to um i'd oh, tough one probably not necessarily shooting boots, but for defending wise, I'd buy Hoyt, Hoyt some new defending, help him defend better. <laughs> yeah, we we need to buy some some guys some PF flyers, I think, so they can run faster and jump higher and yeah, uh, do all of those things. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I don't know. It, I am so uh, much on a high from from the past performances and, and everything going oh, yeah. into Christmas. I feel so much different than I did last year um, under Pellegrino. That this is this is going to be. This is going to be great. So, um, yeah, Tom, I want to thank you uh, again for, for joining me. Um, people can yes, find you, you on Twitter and Instagram. Um, the links to those are in the show notes and, and you're writing over at retail. Then I didn't really ask you about that earlier, but, um, then get your writing there and you also cover what, what, what is, what is the team that you cover? That is, uh, I guess it's a local, more local team, right? Yeah. So at uni, I've got an opportunity to cover uh, Yate town, which play in the same league as, Ashley Totten in Samson. Um, it's a Southern League Division One, South and West. Um, I cover them for a local newspaper up there. I just go to their games whenever I can, mainly that, well, obviously their home games when I'm at uni. But yeah, I follow them and you report on them and interview their players and do match reports and stuff for them. So that's pretty cool. And then leading on to my retail and stuff. I've been doing that for probably, I think it's about three years now. Okay. Mainly match previews, player mm-hmm. ratings, match reviews, obviously news articles as well. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, that's that's what I do really. All right, man. Well, uh, continue uh, the good work, and you're always welcome back on the show if you're if you're interested. So uh, yeah, I will be. I'll be back in touch. 
Absolutely, man. All right. Well, you uh, have a Merry Christmas and happy holidays to Merry Christmas to you and everyone else. Yeah, man. Have a good one. That does it for episode 102 of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. And whether you're listening on Christmas Day or Boxing Day or New Year's Day or January 27th, 2038, I hope you're having a good time. And thank you for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Tom Mason for joining me around a busy time of year, taking some time away from his family uh, so that I can spend more time with mine. I really do appreciate that. If you want to get some more writing from Tom, you can do that at Tom underscore Mason 18 on Twitter or at TMaso19 on Instagram. If you're looking for Saints-specific stuff, once again, follow along at Reed Southampton, which is where the majority of his Saints writing uh, shows up. Um, special thanks goes out this week again to Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt does the logo for the show. He was a guest on episode 100 where he announced that he will now be working for the Southampton Football Club in the graphics and media department. So congratulations to Matt on starting your new job in just a couple of days. Uh, congratulations again. Our partner page is the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And it, as always, they do a great job of providing you with news and everything else uh, related to the club. So follow along there for uh, analysis, match updates, transfer news, and other things like that. They will keep you up to date and informed uh, to the best of their ability over the Christmas period or not. If you haven't done so already, you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. Those are probably the easiest two ways to get a hold of me. You can also follow along at Facebook.com forward slash SFCDELIVERY. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. And the show now has a Patreon page for those of you who feel uh, like supporting it in some way. It's not obligatory, so please don't feel like you have to do it. But uh, you do get some extras, including access to a private chat with just me and the other Patreons. You have priority for getting your questions answered on the show. Uh, and if you subscribe at the $5 a month uh, level, you get one extra show per month. And I hope that you will enjoy that. And if not, uh, no worries. Just thanks for listening. I really do appreciate that. If you are enjoying the show, though, please consider uh, leaving a review on iTunes. And if you haven't done so already, please share the show with somebody else and make sure that you have subscribed so you do not miss future episodes. The first episode of the new year has already been recorded, so I will be taking a few days off. There will be no match updates uh, in, in that one. We won't talk about some of the things coming up there, but this will be uh, some time for me to spend with my family. And I hope that you understand that, but you will have a show next week. So do not worry. Um, so I think that does it in for 2018. Uh, this is it. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that you've enjoyed it and uh, I appreciate all your support. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Happy Boxing Day. I don't know if that's a thing, but anyway, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. And until then, remember that together we march on.